You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. And I would like to thank each and every listener for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. I really, really appreciate it. I've had people reach out to me, tell me that they've been listening to the podcast. Even during this somewhat dead season, which the dead season is kind of coming to an end. But, you know, there's like this gap between summer league and the start of the season where a lot of people just don't have a lot of interest in the draft but thankfully i have people that have been listening which means you are probably an nba draft junkie because the average fan is not listening to nba draft podcasts in september so thank you very much for for just making locked on nba draft your, your first listen of the week and in this episode You'll probably hear a little bit more excitement in my voice than normal, and it's because we're close to basketball season. We are days away from the start of the NBA season. European season has already started, and then we are within maybe about 30 days from the start of college basketball season. So this episode, I wanted to, how can I say this, not push the panic button, but I'm just going to recap some of the top rookie performances and or just over this preseason now again it's not pushing a panic button some guys are going to look really really good in preseason some are going to look bad doesn't necessarily reflect how they're going to play during the season because again preseason is short sample size and it's a pretty steep learning curve for rookies so like i said in this episode i'm just going to highlight a few of the the players Mostly the lottery picks. So there's a few guys that outside of the lottery who I'll, I'll highlight their their stats and and just kind of take a deep dive into their possessions. Well, the first pick in the 2021 20, NBA draft was Cade Cunningham, and unfortunately, Cade did not play in any preseason games. Seems like he is dealing with an ankle injury. I don't know how serious the injury is. I mean, I guess Detroit thought it was enough to keep him out of preseason, which, you know, I'm like everybody else was looking forward to seeing Cade in preseason. I guess I have to wait until the regular season starts. Um, I've even read that he is uncertain for the opener and he didn't practice on Sunday. So, We'll see if he plays for the uh, the Pistons, makes his debut on Wednesday. But don't have a grade on Kay Cunningham, but I do have one on Jalen Green. Now, Jalen Green had a, a solid start, averaged 13 points per game, a little under four rebounds, a little under three assists on 34-23-83 shooting splits, averaged about two and a half turnovers. As far as the dive, the deep dive into the numbers, he, he only shot 33% in transition and only converted 18% of his spot-ups. As far as pull-up jumpers, he was 3 for 11 and just overall only shot about 28% on jump shots. Now, again, I know that this is an adjustment for him, and he's going to have a, a pretty huge role in Houston's offense 
I mean, I would say he's probably going to be at, you know, to be honest with you, he could lead the team in scoring <laughs> or he could end up third in scoring. I mean, it's, it's clearly between Green and Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. Like I said, if he averages 20 a game as a rookie, that, that probably wouldn't be too shocking to me. So he's going to have a, a huge role. Um, but, yeah, so far in the preseason, he did show flashes of why he is so highly regarded, why, I mean, he's expected to be the face of the franchise. I mean, his first step is lightning quick. Like, it is almost like Allen Iverson type first step. I mean, his explosiveness and ability to just get by defenders is going to earn him a lot of buckets in the league. Um of course, he's just going to need to be more of a consistent shooter, but he has plenty of time to do that. All right, the next player who was selected right after Green was Evan Mobley. Mobley had a, a solid preseason, showed some flashes there, 8.4 points per game, 7.6 rebounds. He averaged a little more than an assist per game, also averaged about one steal and 1.6 blocks per game. So he's someone that is going to fill up the stat sheet. Now, one of the concerns I had about Mobley was his jump shot. He's someone that a lot of people have projected to become a really good shooter. And he was about an average shooter, maybe even below average shooter at USC. Didn't really show a lot of shooting in the summer league. And so far in five preseason games, the jump shot is still not there. He was 1 for 11 on jumpers. He shot 0 for 7 on jumpers off the dribble. And I think that's going to be important simply because Cleveland looks like they're going to run this this huge front court of Markinen, Mobley, and Jared Allen. I think Mobley probably may defend the threes because of his defensive versatility. Well, Markinen is definitely going to play a lot simply because I think a front court of Okoro, Mobley, and Allen provide you like very very little shooting so it looks like marketing is going to have to play a lot of minutes and be able to space the floor because i just think right now mobley's not ready to contribute much as a, a floor spacer so um that's just something to keep an eye out on throughout the season how much he improves as, as, as a jump shooter and then how is he going to score on the offensive end of the floor is he going to be used as a role man I don't know if he's going to get a lot of post-ups. So that is one of the things I'm really looking forward to seeing is how the Cavaliers use Evan Mobley, especially considering that they're going to play this big front court with really two power forwards and a center. And I guess you can say Mobley can be a, you know, I guess you can say Mobley can be a four and a five. But I also saw some people say that they think Mobley can play the wing. I definitely think he can defend the wing. But, Yes, Evan Mobley had a, if I had to give him a grade, I'd probably give him like a C. All right, the next player is Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes had an impressive preseason. He showed his versatility. He showed just his ability to defend multiple positions. He averaged 9.8 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, 5, or a little over 5.5 assists, shot 47% from the floor. Did not make a single three-pointer shot, 71% from the foul line. He also averaged like Mobley a steal in the block. So, Scotty Barnes is someone who I think is going to be a valuable player 
in fantasy basketball because he's going to fill up the stat sheets. May not give you threes, but as far as rebounds, blocks, assists, points, I think he's going to be a, a guy that y- you're going to fall in love with because he's going to play some winning basketball and he's just going to be able to make plays on both ends of the floor. The positive about Scotty Barnes, the one concern that most people had was his ability to score, put the ball in the basket. He shot 6 of 15 on jumpers, which is 40%. And then he also shot pretty impressive 62% on jumpers off the dribble. While his catch and shoot numbers were something that he'll, he'll definitely need to improve on because he was 0 of 6 in catch and shoot opportunities. But the signs are positive for Scotty Barnes. I think that a lot of people are, like I said, are going to be impressed, but which is going to lead to this debate. You know, there was a lot of people that felt like Toronto should have selected Jalen Suggs ahead of Scotty Barnes. I was one of the people that thought Jalen Suggs to Toronto was a lock, especially with with uh, Kyle Lowry leaving. And just based off of preseason, again, this is just preseason, you have to be happy with your selection of Scotty Barnes if you are a Toronto Raptors fan because Jalen Suggs struggled, struggled big time. He played three games, five points per game, 3.7 rebounds, three assists per game, but check out the shooting splits, 27% from the floor, 20% from three, 33% from the foul line. He was only 4-14 on jump shots. He was 0-4 around the rim and only 3-4-11 on pull-ups, so... Small sample size, only three games. I've already started seeing people on social media talking about Jalen Suggs as a bust. It's way, way too soon. I mean, it's three meaningless preseason games. However, if you are one of the people that felt like Toronto should have selected Jalen Suggs over Scotty Barnes, right now you're probably not saying much because Barnes has so far looked a lot more promising in the few meaningless preseason games. Now, when we return, I'll talk about Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy was arguably the best rookie in the preseason. Stay tuned. NBA fanatics out there, I want to ask you, have you heard about Prize Picks? If not, Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I strongly believe you will too. Prize Picks has the best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other daily fantasy prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. You pick two to five players and then over or under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks also allows mixed sport entries. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. I just use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive 100% instant deposit match up to 100%. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA. Do not hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. 
Does this sound familiar to you? You got one device that lets you catch the game live and another device to stream your favorite shows. You're watching your sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. If that sounds like you, I'd like to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes. You don't need to buy another device again. And the best part is there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. And you can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible devices required and content varies by package. Thank you again for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms for your second listen. Get everything you need from the contender to the pretender around the NBA with the ultimate insider NBA season preview. It is the biggest and most comprehensive season preview you can find wherever you get your podcast. So please check it out. All right. Again, this is Raphael from NBA Draft Junkies. You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. And now let's talk about Josh Giddy, who is arguably, maybe there's only one other player that can, maybe two, but I'd say there's only one other player that you can say was even close to Josh Giddy as far as being impressive. You know what? I'll take that back. i give you two. You're, you may be biased based off your team. But Josh Giddy was more than impressive. 13.5 points per game, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 52% from the floor, 40% from three, yeah, but only 57% from the foul line. But overall, Josh Giddy looked good. I mean, the concerns about Josh going into this season was his athleticism and how well he shot the ball. Well, so far in three preseason games, again, it's a small sample size. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But he shot 40% on jumpers. And we all knew, well, those that had been paying attention to Josh, we all knew that he was an incredible passer. He was someone that is going to thrive in pick and roll. But even as a pick and roll scorer, I did not see him being this good this fast. Again, it's still preseason, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But he shot 60% as the pick-and-roll ball handler. And I had made a, a comment on a video that I did on Josh uh, around this time last year. And even though he is, like, not this ideal, quick, bursty athlete, his game is best suited in the open floor. And he was able to show that in transition because he converted 75% of his field goals in the open court. And that's just where he's best at, just in the open court, high, I mean, fast-paced game because he's such a good passer. He passes the ball ahead. And he just has this flash and flair that I think is going to be really exciting. I made a comment also that I didn't think that his production – was too far behind LaMelo's. Now, I was shocked to see him go number six in the draft, but based off of what I've seen and just this short sample size, Giddy has looked good, and you can make a case and say that he's going to be one of the favorites for Rookie of the Year because he is on an awful, awful Oklahoma City Thunder team where he is going to get plenty of time, plenty of minutes, and he's just going to be in 
probably one of the best positions to succeed. So if I had to give Josh Giddy a grade as far as preseason, he's definitely getting an A. Selected right after Giddy was Jonathan Kaminga from the Golden State Warriors. Kaminga's in a tough situation, barely played. I mean, he played two games, played less than nine minutes per game. And I, I mean, I honestly wouldn't be too surprised if he's getting a lot of DNP CDs because the Warriors are just deep at wing between Otto Porter, Andrew Wiggins, Klay Thompson is coming back, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green. I mean, the position that Kaminga's expected to play between the three and the four, they just have a lot of depth there. So I don't expect much from him. I mean, he probably should spend a lot of time with uh, the Santa Cruz Warriors, but he averaged four points, two rebounds per game, 37% from the floor, 50% from the foul line. Just not a good sample size to make a real assessment. Not a lot to see there. So moving on to Franz Wagner. Um, Franz was not much better than Jalen Suggs. If you are an Orlando Magic fan, based off the preseason, you have to be really disappointed in what you saw out of the, as far as the production from your two lottery picks. Wagner averaged four and a half points per game, 1.5 rebounds, 1.8 assists, played 22 minutes, and his shooting splits were pretty bad. 26% from the floor, 28% from three, 100% from the foul line. So even if you combine Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner's shooting percentage together, you got a little over 50%. If you combine there, yeah, if you combine the numbers together, then you got a pretty efficient player because you ended up getting about 53% from the floor and 48% from three and maybe about 70% from the foul line. Unfortunately, you got to divide those numbers in two. So they weren't productive at all. Franz was only one for six in transition. He only shot three for 12 on jumpers. And he also was only 28% from the floor on catch-and-shoot situations. So if you're a Magic fan, you're hoping those numbers increase. And Orlando just has a weird logjam. I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how their rotation starts off and how much it changes throughout the season. All right. Right after Wagner was Davion Mitchell, who was pretty impressive, to say the least. I mean, Mitchell has been winning I mean, he's just had a great run since the NCAA tournament. He shined in summer league, looked really good in the preseason. He averaged 11 points per game, two rebounds, three and a half assists, 50% from the floor, 52% from three. I mean, the, the doubters about his jump shot are, they're pretty quiet right now. I mean, there was a lot of talk around the draft that his shooting was an outlier season. And I was on the record of saying that I thought that he put in the work just the way he shot how confident he shot the ball as far as pull-ups just gives me a sign of a guy that has put in the work I mean if you're confident and you know you've put in the work then it's going to show on the court and that's how I felt like he played now my concern about him going into the draft was he did not get to the foul line enough for me I thought he was just too good of an athlete too explosive to not draw free throws and he did not make a single free throw or attempt a single free throw in four preseason games but overall the numbers are good 45 percent on jump shots 50 percent on catch and shoot opportunities he shot 44 percent on pull-ups 
He also had 13 assists and six turnovers. So Mitchell, again, he's had a, a an impressive run from the NCAA tournament. I mean, I guess you can even go before then from his last season at Baylor to summer league to preseason. But the question is, like on a lot of these teams, is how is the rotation going to play out? Because you can make a case and say three of Sacramento's most valuable assets are their guards as far as De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and Davion Mitchell. So Luke Walton has a a good situation on his hands about how he's going to play them together. But at least at the minimum, he should always have two decision makers and two point guards on the floor at all times. All right. At the number 10 slot, the Memphis Grizzlies shocked a lot of people, and they selected Zaire Williams, who on paper, not too bad. Averaged eight points per game, 2.6 rebounds, 1.6 assists. Now, the shooting splits weren't good, 32% from the floor, 19% from three, but 80% from the foul line. Now, he struggled in transition, only made two out of 10, only shot 17% on jumpers, 14% on catch and shoots and 20% on pull-ups, but he did shoot 62% at the rim. Now his numbers are strongly based off of a 19.5 rebound game he had against the Pacers where he shot two of three from three and went seven for seven from the foul line. That game was, I mean, it's, I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, he, he looked good that game, but outside of the game, the numbers were pretty they, they, were, they were pretty bad to be honest with you I wonder how much he's going to play and if he actually cracks their rotation because Memphis I think is going to be is going to be pretty good this year but with Dylan Brooks out to start the season I think there should be some some good minutes there all right the last player that I want to talk about in this segment is a guy that I felt should have been selected a lot higher than where he went it is James Booknight now I Thought Book Knight should have went to the Warriors. I thought Orlando should have taken Book Knight. He falls to Charlotte, which now makes Charlotte one of the top league pass teams in the NBA. In, in my opinion, some people may disagree, but Charlotte has—they have some weapons. I mean, between Lamelo and Book Knight, Rozier. But, I mean, just based off of Lamelo and Book Knight, the future seems pretty bright as far as the Charlotte backcourt. Book Knight averaged a little under 16 points per game, two and a half rebounds, one assist. Shot 45% from the floor, only 20% from three, but he shot 93% from the foul line. He looked very good as a pick and roll ball handler, where he shot 59% from the floor. He was dominant in transition, shot 63% in the open court. Now, he did struggle on his jump shot. That was a concern of you know many scouts coming into the draft. He was only three of 16 on jumpers. But he shot 57% around the rim. Now, again, back to the jumpers, only made 3 of 11 of his pull-ups and was 0 for 5 on catch-and-shoot situations. But overall, I think that Book Knight is going to have a really productive rookie year, and I can see him averaging double figures in his first year. And depending on how the lineup shakes out, um, I don't know how much you can depend on Gordon Haywood because he's been injured a lot. That could open up a lot of minutes for Book Knight. And if he ends up getting 25, 26 minutes per game, then I think he's someone that you can um, make a case that he has a chance to be rookie of the year. I think he's that good. All right. 
When we return, I'll talk about the last few guys that were selected in the lottery and a few other guys that were selected outside of the lottery who I think in a redraft would be lottery picks. Stay tuned. All right, so if you've been listening to my podcast, which I hope you have, then you know how I feel about Built Bar. And if you don't know, if this is your first listen, I'm going to tell you about Built Bar because it is the best tasting protein bar in the market and they have so many different flavors there is something for everyone when you're talking about a built bar fan like myself i'm passionate about just the different flavors if you don't know about the flavors you're missing out because there's coconut there's cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream german chocolate and you know what my favorite flavor is it is the mint brownie. If you haven't tried all flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy. In the words of Jackson Gatlin, it is a protein bar that does not taste like cement. I always laugh when I, when I think about that quote that he made. Check out the, the numbers here. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 or 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 or 5 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors. They're all tasty. They're all healthy. Order today and you can get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or double chocolate, whatever flavor you like. And Built Bar was the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code BUILT and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code BUILT and you'll get 15% off your next order. All right, once again, you're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Now I'm going to wrap up the last few rookies that I saw during preseason. All right, Josh Primo was selected at number 12, which was a huge surprise to a lot of people. Primo looks like he's 14 years old. And in the preseason, he averaged 5.8 points per game, one rebound, one assist, Shot 63% from the floor and 50% from the three. Didn't get to the foul line. Honestly, did not play a lot of minutes. Played less than 10 minutes per game. But he did have a game where he had 17 points in 18 minutes versus Utah. Now, he's young. I don't want to say he's raw, but he, he just has a long way to go as far as, like, development. But the sample size was good. You have to feel pretty confident about his ability to be a contributor long term i don't know how much he'll be able to contribute this year when in reality i think the spurs should just embrace the fact that they're not going to be good and tank which the word tank in the spurs those two words don't go together but i would definitely try to give primo more time because i don't think san antonio is going to be good best case scenario at all so you know the way the nba is designed the worse you are, the more ping pong balls you get, the better chance you get at the number one pick. And as long as the Spurs are trying to compete, they're going to be in no man's land. And I still think they're going to be a lottery team. But if you're going to be a lottery team, then you need to put yourself in the best position to get the number one pick, which will be hard because they have two teams in the in the West between the Thunder and the Rockets that are going to be pretty bad too so uh, but yeah I think Josh Primo showed some flashes there he could end up spending a lot of time with the Austin Spurs but we will see how that goes all right at number 13 the Indiana Pacers selected Chris Duarte who had a pretty solid preseason 13.8 points per game 3.3 rebounds 
Averaged more than two assists per game. 45, 31, 91 percent uh, shooting splits. It, his production is, I'd say, expected. I mean, he's, you know, we all know about his age, 24 years old. So his learning curve is a lot different than, for example, Josh Primo. Primo is like 18. Duarte is like six years older than him. So um, I think Duarte is going to be a... A rotation player for the Pacers, definitely someone that will be in the Rookie of the Year conversations just because, I mean, I just think that he's going to be in a position to where he'll play possibly a lot of minutes. Um, even though Rick Carlisle was not known for for favoring rookies, Duarte shot a respectable 34% on jumpers, 37% on pull-ups. He was good in transition where he converted over 60% of his attempts there. Overall, I thought it was a pretty solid Solid uh, preseason for Duarte. And the Pacers are a team that not a lot of people are talking about. But if they can get some good production out of Duarte, figure out how to play Miles Turner and Sabonis together and get the best out of both of them with a healthy Levert and Malcolm Brogdon, the Pacers could actually be pretty decent. All right, the last pick in the lottery was Moses Moody. And again, similar to Kaminga, don't expect him to play a lot of minutes on this Golden State team that is competing for a title. He averaged five points per game, two rebounds, one assist. Shot 46% from three. Overall, just 39% from the floor and 50% from the free throw line. But the role that Moody's going to play is as a floor spacer. And he shows some promise when he was 40% on catch and shoot opportunities. So I think even though Kaminga was the higher draft pick, I think if I had to choose between the two, which one will crack the rotation? I would say Moody has a better chance of cracking the rotation simply because he has a more so of a defined role and skill set. All right. Lastly, I want to talk about a few guys that did not get selected in the lottery who have, based off of summer league and preseason, have outplayed their draft position. The first player I want to talk about is BJ Boston, and I keep saying over and over again, I do not understand why B.J. Boston was not given the benefit of the doubt, why Zaire Williams was. That was kind of a tongue twister in a sense. Boston had a a, a tough year at Kentucky, and so did Zaire Williams. But for whatever reason, Zaire Williams, maybe because he's taller, was selected number 10, and Boston fell to the 50s. Boston looked good, in my opinion, in summer league and also had a pretty promising preseason Average 12 points per game, three rebounds, two and a half assists. Now, the efficiency wasn't there, 34% from the floor, 25% from three, 100% from the foul line. He did average over 20 minutes per game. But what I did see that I liked about him was he was able to get to the foul line. He shot 14 free throws in four games. And as a pick-and-roll ball handler, he only shot 22% from the floor, but he was able to draw fouls. He drew fouls on 15% of those possessions where he was a pick-and-roll ball handler. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, you know, how, how many minutes he plays and if he can crack the Clippers rotation. If not, and if he ends up playing for the Clippers G League team, then he's probably going to put up crazy numbers. But I think he did enough in summer league and... Um, in preseason to at least spend the majority of the season with the with the big club, which is something that you probably won't see a lot for a guy that was selected where he was selected at. And I think that he has a chance to crack the back end of the rotation. All right, the last two players I want to talk about, 
I definitely think made a big name for themselves in summer league and preseason. First, I'll talk about Al Perrin Shingun, who is a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge Shingun fan. I'm a little biased because I spent some time in Turkey and I've been watching him for the last three years. He averaged a little under 10 points, eight rebounds per game, two assists, shot 46% from the floor. Uh, I know one of the biggest question marks about him was his defense, and he's so far been able to be a pretty good shot blocker. So I'm big on Shingun. I think maybe by the end of the season, he becomes their starting center. He just finds a way to put the ball in the basket, shot 62% around the rim. I think the most impressive thing that he's been able to show so far is his ability to put the ball on the floor and passing. If he can start knocking down open shots, then I think that he's going to be like this rare center that is effective at attacking closeouts. But so far, I mean, he's shown some good ball handling and passing instincts. And like I said, I think by the end of the season, he's going to be their starting center because he's been productive as far as on the offensive glass and and rebounding and scoring around the rim. And even though he's like a below-the-rim scorer, he, he's still been pretty good. So I'm looking forward to seeing Alper and Shingun this season. But lastly, the guy that I think, based off of the way the roster is set up now, who has been the most impressive rookie outside of Josh Giddy, but maybe you can say this is even more impressive because he's been able to do this on a team that is looking to compete and win, and he may have a very important role in Denver's success, and it is Bones Highland, averaged 15 points per game, four rebounds, four and a half assists per game, shot 46% from the floor, 34% from three, 78% from the foul line, and Bones has, I mean, he's been getting his buckets in transition where he's shooting 75% from the floor, and also shot 41% on catch-and-shoot opportunities, so you look at the way Bones and well, if you look at his style of play, it fits Denver like a glove. Um, him playing with Jokic, I think that's going to be a, a very good uh, lineup for them, especially if he can knock down catch and shoot opportunities where Jokic will create those passes for him. But just him in transition, his speed, his ability to be a secondary ball handler, I, I think is going to. I mean, I think it's really going to help Denver. I think he's going to be a big spark off the bench. And once they get Jamal Murray back, along with Highland and Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon, Denver Denver is a team that can make some noise in the playoffs. I mean, they've already, you know, made noise in 2020. And, you know, if Murray can come back to his old self. And then I think also with the way Highland has played and, and some of their bench scoring, Murray should be able to take his time he shouldn't have to to rush back so really looking forward to seeing bones and and denver he's in a great situation well that wraps it up for me thank you for listening to locked on nba draft thank you for making locked on nba draft your first listen every day now for your second listen please check out locked on fantasy basketball josh lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet I just had my fantasy basketball draft yesterday and, um, you know, Josh was, I should have put him on line one, had him on the, on the phone with me to help me draft, but he's in Australia and the time difference is crazy. So 
Josh Lloyd is the best at what he does. Like I said, it is the number one fantasy basketball show on the planet. And it is free and available on all platforms. Well, thanks a lot. Once again, it's Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies, and I am out.